Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for taking time today to listen to Sean Mike Podcast. Today we're going to be looking back on that Huskers win against Buffalo, kind of sharing some of my thoughts on that, and yeah, it's going to be what what we're looking at. So I think there's some positives to take away. I think there's some things to be improved upon with that game. Of course, the next game will be against the Oklahoma Sooners, so we'll talk about that a little bit. But that is what you guys can look for in this episode. Okay, and I'd like to say thank you to anyone that has taken time to listen to the podcast today as we dive right into it. So we're kind of the game plan for today is we're going to be looking at the past win for the Huskers against Buffalo, uh, pulling out a win 28-3, to being able to get it done. We're going to look at the Oklahoma game that's up ahead in Oklahoma. Uh, that's going to be coming up this Saturday. So yeah, we're going to dive right into... The matchups overall, Buffalo out of the MAC. I found this game to be a lot more of a respectable matchup compared to Fordham. I'll be honest, Fordham's a, you know that's supposed to be a feel-good win. Fordham's a game where you you dominate, you look really good, get to play some some of the younger guys, build up some momentum. That's what you're mainly looking at from a game against a team like Fordham. Buffalo being in the MAC, it's not a Power Five school, but I respect these matchups a lot more because Buffalo can be competitive in the MAC, and you're playing a team from a smaller conference, but it's not a guarantee that you're going to win. Are you favored, and was Nebraska favored heading in that game? Absolutely. Was it a game they were guaranteed to just steamroll them and win? No, not necessarily, and the game actually wound up being close for you know a good portion of it, but Nebraska was able to break away. So if we're looking at some of the takeaways here, so just from a yardage point of view, uh, Nebraska was able to outgain Buffalo 516 yards to 359. I felt like the time of possession game was pretty even between between Buffalo and Nebraska. I want to say Buffalo had it for a couple minutes longer than Nebraska actually throughout that game, so really even with that. Uh, turnover game was pretty even as well. Uh, each team had a turnover. But if we're looking at Buffalo's quarterback, ended up finishing uh, 27 out of 50. I think that's an encouraging sign from this Nebraska defense and hopefully something that they can translate moving forward. He had to throw the ball 50 times, and he was he was a little bit above a 50% completion, but not a lot. So I think that's an encouraging sign if they can take some of that pass defense and translate that in the upcoming games, not just the Oklahoma game, but moving forward. That would be a good sign. I think this defense for Nebraska does have the potential to – to keep them in game, we've already seen them hold up well in tough spots. Of course, you know, they've had their moments where they haven't looked the greatest either, but overall I think the defense does have have some encouraging spots, and I'm looking forward to see what they can do. Of course, against Oklahoma, I mean, that's what's on everyone's mind, but just in the season in general, I'm looking to see what happens there. Before breaking it, but Marks Jr. for Buffalo did have 21 carries for 85 yards. That would be a little bit of a cause for concern just because when you're playing a smaller school, you really are planning on just being able to dominate the line of scrimmage from the offensive and the defensive line point of view. So you'd like to see him be held a little bit more. He had a little bit over four yards to carry. You can imagine if you're playing a Big Ten school or playing a Power Five school, with uh, the athletes being a little bit diff- different on the interior, 
that could be a sign. But got to give credit to Buffalo. So they were able to get some round, some ground game going. I did have a run to where he broke away for 30 yards as well. So some things that could be cleaned up. It definitely was not a perfect game by any means. But once again, you got to top your hat off to Buffalo. We'll see what type of season they're able to point, pull up this year. But they are in the MAC. It's not like you're playing a team. It's just hate to say this, keep going back to it, but like Fordham, where you're just going to dominate them in every single way, Buffalo is going to be a team that they were able to keep it competitive, Nebraska was able to get away long-term. If we're looking at some things that happened within this game, so Martinez, so first off, he was able to put up some pretty decent passing numbers, so Martinez was actually able to go 13 out of 19, and he had 242 yards for a couple touchdowns, so it's one of those games where he did what he needed to do. He was able to manage the game. Martinez was able to make the passes that he needed, relatively efficient, low number of passes. Uh, one thing I do think is an interesting takeaway as we're moving forward, though, is I noticed that on the ground game, Martinez actually uh, carried the ball nine times for 112 yards. So it's kind of that constant push and pull that we're looking at with Martinez, right? Because... You don't want to take away one of his strengths. You don't want to take away the ground game. But you just have to wonder, as Big Ten play keeps up and as they play you know, a top-five team in the country, actually top three, they're ranked number three, at least so far, I believe. Uh, how's it going to come out of that game? How's it going to do in the Big Ten slate? This ground game from the running back crew is just a constant thing you're looking at nowadays. But I will say that Irvin Jr., having 10 carries, 56 yards, a couple touchdowns, I think that's a step in the right direction. I think that you know, just hopefully this will give him some some confidence, give him some momentum. I got the USC transfer uh, step in there as well. I'm hoping that he's able to just continue and to give that balance mixed. I'd say if you can get, I think probably what they're looking more so is if you can get a mix of like 80 to 90, even 100 yards between the running back group and then sprinkle it in Martinez with the run, I think that's going to be a lot more efficient. I feel like if he's, even on a low number, nine carries is not a lot of carries, so give him that. But just 112 yards, running, just rushing yards just naturally are not easy yards. Typically when you're running the ball, you're going to take some shots, you're going to take some hits. Even if you don't get touched a whole lot, you're still getting touched some. And when that's your QB, want to make sure he's just able to hang in there and be in the game. But that's just kind of where they're at. Because uh, Irvin is a, I believe he's a true freshman. I know he's a freshman for sure. I think he's a true freshman though. So, young in the backfield, do have a transfer with some experience, but overall I still feel like they're trying to find their identity with that ground game, establishing that with the O-line play, just developing overall. One story I think is really interesting I want to highlight for Nebraska, which you can when you've got a game like this where they're able to have a pretty convincing win over Buffalo. You look for the stories, you look for guys that you haven't heard a whole lot about. And honestly, Samari Torrey, he was one that really caught my attention. So he actually had he had a, he had a couple he had a couple big catches, uh, over 100 yards receiving, just a quality player within that game. I looked at his story a little bit because it just wasn't a name that I had really seen a whole lot. He actually played at Montana. That's where he actually played. He's actually a grad transfer in for the Huskers. And... I just want to look up his backstory, get a little bit more of a feel for him as a player. But when I looked at his stats within Montana, he's got some pretty ridiculous stats that he put up. So he had it to where in a recent year there in 2019, 
He caught 87 passes, 1,495 yards uh, within within that. He also had a game where he set he set the playoff record uh, for for the level that he was at, where he had 303 receiving yards within a passing game uh, for Montana. That set the record. And overall, his career at Montana is 155 catches, over 2,400 yards. And 20 touchdowns. So when I'm looking at when I'm looking at that for career stats, you got to measure it up. I get it that Montana's not it's not Ohio State or Florida or anything like that. It's not like he was at a big time school. But I don't care where you're at when you're putting up those kind of numbers, 20 touchdowns over 2,400 yards. That's a guy I'm going to look for them to see how they can utilize him more and more. Because when you have a player like that that is able to put up big time numbers like that. And he's on your squad now. I don't care if he's a grad transfer. I don't care if he put up those numbers within a high school setting, JUCO. That's legit numbers. So I'm looking to see how Nebraska can get him incorporated more and more uh, within the passing game. Of course, he had the big catches, the big shots down the field. That's always good. But try to find a way to get that guy as the ball as much as you can, especially with with J.D. Spielman moving on and, and ended up transferring and whatnot. There's definitely a gap at receivers, so the more you can see these guys step up, uh, the more that's going to help them on that side of the ball. Uh, Austin Allen, reliable tight end. Looking to see how they can incorporate him more. They're trying to get it to him. I saw he took a stinger within that game, so hopefully that uh, long-term he's fine health-wise. But just looking to see who's going to be able to support Martinez and and step step it up because a lot of times we get so obsessed with what's Martinez' completion percentage What's he doing? What's he not doing? The reality is with any quarterback, uh, you've got factors. So your running game, you get around you, that's going to make you look a lot better than what you are, or it could just help support the talent you already have. Your receivers, are they are they not making plays for you? Are they, are they dropping a lot of passes? Do you have to be perfect every throw? Or are they making big you know, big pa- big catches to be able to help, help to boost those stats a little bit? That's always key. And then offensive line. If you have an offensive line that can control the line of scrimmage with the run game, they can also give you some good pass protection. That's only going to help when you're looking at this, when you're looking at this situation. So a lot of times we focus in and we zone in on the quarterback. Of course, they're making the big plays. They're expected to make the big plays. But it really comes down to what you have around you. So I'm looking to see. Big thing I'm looking to see is how much of this can we translate into. Once again, I don't want to highlight just the Oklahoma game. The reality is, I was looking at ESPN the stats. Oklahoma's favored by 22 for a spread. They quote unquote have a 91.6 percent chance of winning the game against the Huskers. There's not a lot of expectation heading into the game. People don't think that Nebraska is going to win the game. That's just flat out. You can't you can't get around that. People don't think that Nebraska is going to come out with a win. People. And don't think Nebraska is going to be very competitive in the game. Uh, they don't think it's going to be a close game. You have to just kind of measure that up. So with Illinois, that was a tough conference loss. I know there was huge reaction to that game. Fan base definitely not in a good point. Just to be quite frank, it sucks when when your your team loses a game and you feel like they should have won that game or could have won that game. Uh, Fordham, that was kind of like a feel-good victory. Uh, Buffalo is one of those games where – I wouldn't say it's a feel-good victory. I think well, there really is a true difference uh, for me between Buffalo and Fordham. Buffalo's just 
they're in the MAC. They're more competitive. It's just different versus a team like Fordham, where you know that you're gonna, you know, blow the doors off that team. It's it's a different feeling. That's just all you can say with that. So, one guy I did want to highlight is uh, Chris Hickman. Uh, he's actually a product out of Omaha Burke. He had three catches for 90 yards. I was actually looking up his recruiting profile. They had him listed as a as tight end. I noticed that uh, when I looked at the the chart, how Nebraska had him listed at wide receiver. I'm really curious to see how that guy does. He, uh, he's a lengthy kid. Looking to see that if if he stays at this receiver role, or if he's gonna, I'm sure that they're gonna keep having him in their strength program. Try to have him fill out a little bit. Interesting to see him as a tight end in the future for the Huskers. Just seeing how they can utilize him in that regard. Just have him be. Kind of that hybrid where he's got the length. He's able to high point, make good catches. But, yeah, three catches for 90 yards. Definitely got to highlight that and him being able to have an impact within that game. One thing I'm definitely curious about or that I at least want to call out is a couple points within that game. So one point for sure would be the fact that uh, Luke Reimer was able to have a good game. He had 16 total tackles. Had an INT within that game. He, that kid just has a nose for the ball. He's just he's making plays. Uh, J.J. Doman, he makes plays. You got Cam Taylor-Britt. Uh, he, he's making plays within within this year. So I think there's talent within that defense. Defensive line, I think they're, they're coming together. I think that if they can get pressure on opposing QBs, that's only going to help the Huskers. So once again, when you beat Buffalo 28-3, I don't care what level of team it is. Uh, that's... It's quality when you're able to put together that performance. So I'm hoping that they can translate that, keep it rolling, uh, be able to have some momentum throughout the year. Good performance by them as a whole. And I think with with any team, but especially with this Husker team, I think that in a lot of ways this, this team will go as far as what the defense is able to help establish for this team. So what I mean by that is if you can have your defense keep you in a game even when your offense might not be playing the greatest, even if you have some turnovers or mistakes, if your defense can hang in there, it's going to help keep you in a lot of games. So I'm definitely just looking forward to see how that progresses and how they're able to do, uh, you know, heading as into this year. One thing I am going to call out, I hate to do this, but the kicking game, it's, just, it's been an issue. And special teams in general, I, don't, I do not think has been a bright spot for this team. I think there's been some issues on special teams. I know it's our kicker. He's he just you hate to say it, he just hasn't been reliable. Uh, I know he he's had good years previously. It's you, you hope he can turn it around, but right now when Nebraska goes to kick a field goal, you, you just don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if it's going to be if it's going to be a make. If they're going to have to deal with a couple misses throughout the game, I'm just I'm hoping that he can steady himself and just put together the season he's capable of. Uh, right now, it's just been inconsistent within that kicking game. And Cam Taylor-Britt, he, he's, he's a leader for the team. He does a, a lot defensively. I just don't know if I'm totally sold with their strategy right now in the return game. It just feels like they're constantly having issues within the return game, having muff ponds, having it to wear. This hasn't been the greatest on special teams for returning the football. And special teams overall, just an area for improvement as a whole, too. So I think that... It's those hidden yardage we've talked about in previous podcasts, but if you can have it to where you're able to be more efficient with maximizing your punts, having it to where you're putting the team in tough field position, 
being able to make the field goals, at least at a higher clip to where you're more consistent with making the field goals. And if you can just have the defense keep you in the game, that right there, no matter what your offense does, is going to help you be in a lot of games. And then if your offense can give you the support, it's going to put you in a lot of spots to be able to win games or at least be competitive in a lot of games. So I'm looking forward to see how that happens. So the million-dollar question, what's going to happen within this Oklahoma game? So honestly, the way I look at this game, just to be frank, is I look at it as a nostalgia game. You're looking at teams that faced off against each other in the Big 12. Uh, Big-time big time rivalry, I think it's... I think it's one of those deals where people miss the game. People miss the, having a chance to, uh, you know, cheer against Oklahoma, cheer on Nebraska against Oklahoma. Just some history behind that, just them meeting and everything like that. I think you do have the nostalgia act. I think what's been interesting, though, is you have it to where people for the longest time were saying, is Nebraska going to go back to the Big 12? Is Nebraska going to go back to the Big 12? There been some shakeups. Uh, I know that obviously – uh, they've already lost uh, Texas and, of course, Oklahoma. Uh, they are joining the SEC. Uh, I'm I'm going to be honest. I haven't been totally on top of the Big 12 because it's, their conference seemed like it was falling apart, but I know they extended invitations to uh, BYU, Houston, and a, and a couple other teams. So that conference is getting – they're trying to rebrand themselves, but everyone talked about Nebraska returning to the Big 12. Uh, that doesn't look like it's going to happen at least anytime soon especially with Oklahoma and Texas leaving the Big 12. I just don't know at this point if I could see Nebraska choosing to leave the Big 10 at this point with the way that conference realignments are happening, college football playoff is expanding. I hope college football on a side note does expand. I mean, Other sports have it to where if you look at other divisions, like what used to be considered 1AA, uh, now uh, I think they call it FCS or whatever, but... They've had a playoff forever, and they don't have major issues with it. You've got March Madness. You've got other sports in general. So much stuff is dictated on having a playoff when you look at pro leagues and different leagues, too. I know that it's college football. I get that. There's bowl games, but let's be honest. Now that we've gone to a four-team playoff, it's already taken a little bit of shine off some of those bowl games already. So at this point, why not just rip the Band-Aid and make it like a 12-team or 16-team playoff? I think it's just it's a direction I think they're going to go, and I think it'll be interesting to see how that pivots. But I think being in a major conference, especially one like the Big Ten, SEC is making waves and everything like that too. If you're in a major conference, it's only going to help your odds for being able to get into the college football playoff or make some noise within a college football playoff and make yourself relevant. So it's kind of a spinoff there. I didn't want to spend too much time on it, but I had to point that out. But what I'm looking for out of the Huskers is I, I want to just see them look respectable. At this point, I don't know if them winning the game is realistic. I would love if Nebraska pulled off an amazing upset and were able to take down Oklahoma. It's just you got to be realistic at this point. If they take down Oklahoma, it's going to be a huge upset that most people were not expecting and most people did not predict. That's just where you're at right now. If you want me to be frank, what needs to happen if they want to beat Oklahoma or have a chance at beating Oklahoma? Uh, Spencer Rattler, big-time QB for the Sooners. You're going to have to find a way to slow him down as best you can, uh, slow their receivers down as best you can, eliminate the big plays. When you're playing a team that's overpowering, that just has a lot of talent. You want to make it to where that 10-yard pass that they might get, you don't want it to go for 30. 
You want to try to wrap up, want to try to make tackles, keep yourself in the game. You also want to have it to where I've noticed with Rattler early on is he does seem like he'll he'll trust his arm and give you a couple chances to get to get the ball. That's just what I'm looking at from a bird's eye view. If if Spencer Rattler throws it up in the air and gives you a chance to get a turnover, are you going to make a play on the ball? Are you going to make an INT? Or is it going to be an incom- incomplete pass? Or are you not going to be able to capitalize on it? That's going to be a big thing that really plays a role within this game. And you've got to get turnovers. There's just no way around it. You need fumbles. You need INTs. You need whatever you can to be able to hang in against a team like Oklahoma. So I'm really curious to see if Nebraska is able to do that. You're going to have to have a ground control game. I think that whether it's through the air, whether it's Adrian running, throwing, you have to find a way to, to keep Oklahoma off the field. I feel like you got to make you got to turn this into a grinded-out game where Nebraska has the ball for 35, 40 minutes. Oklahoma has the ball for maybe 20, 25 minutes. Not able to get into a lot of rhythm, not able to get a lot of momentum. That's what you got to do. you got to play keep away a little bit with it. That entails being able to put long drives together, though. That entails being able to uh, cut out penalties. Of course, you cannot turn it over very much at all yourself when you are a big underdog. Those are going to be some of the things that I'm looking for for the Huskers. So even if they can't win the game, I'd like to see them have a good showing. Like I said, of course, everyone's you know OU is favored by 22 points. Expect it to be a landslide victory. But I really feel like for the Scott Frost era, even if Nebraska could... You know, hang in there to like the fourth quarter. If they could be, you know, around in the game, if they could play a disciplined game, if you can just look presentable and not get the doors blown off you, I think that puts a little bit of confidence in the fan base. I mean, there are, you always hear the the phrase in sports: there are no moral victories. You either win or you lose. I get that, but I feel like when you're trying to lay down the the foundation for a program, when you're trying to put together something for the Nebraska program with Scott Frost. That I feel like games like this, if you can look presentable, even though there are no more wins, I think it can kind of amount to a more win, honestly, when you look at that. So I'm looking to see if Nebraska can come out in the big rivalry game, at least a former rivalry, see what they can do. Once again, used to be Big 12. Now we've got Nebraska standing in the Big 10. Oklahoma's moving on to the SEC. So it's not going to be... No, in the future, it's not going to be a former Big 12 matchup. I guess technically it would be a former Big 12 matchup, but you're going to have two schools that are no longer in the Big 12, and what's the Big 12 going to look like in a couple of years? So I think that's going to be the biggest takeaways with that. So I'm looking forward to it. It's one of those deals where whether it's nostalgia, whatever you want to call it, there's a history between Nebraska and Oklahoma, so I am looking forward to see what happens. But, yeah, I appreciate you staying with me. I will be back here with you to wrap up here in just a few moments. But I'm looking forward to see what happens against the Nebraska Cornhuskers playing on Boomer Sooners. Let's see what happens. Okay, so I appreciate anyone that takes time out of the Sean Mike podcast. Really excited about this episode. Overall, just looking forward to... Putting this one out to you guys, coming off of a win for the Huskers, but also just looking at what's going up ahead and uh, playing the Oklahoma Sooners. So a little bit of a nostalgia act. We'll see how this game goes down for the Huskers. Once again, I do want to thank time, take time and say thank you for anyone that does take time to listen to Sean Mike Podcast. You can find me on Facebook. Also, you can find me on Instagram. 
But I do want to say thank you for taking time today to listen to Sean Mike podcast. Uh, I'm out. Let's have a have a good weekend. Let's see what happens with this game. Thanks.